Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective on a blustery but beautiful Sunday afternoon. A little earlier than usual because we are excited about watching the Rams-Buccaneers uh, games, which some of us may or may not have some money on. So how you doing, Zach? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Very well. What are you going to be ranting about today? I'll be ranting about the magic that is Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and his recent jaunt with the Buffalo Bills fan wildcard weekend. In an episode which has a lot of uh, controversy and discussion, we can all agree that Ryan Fitzpatrick is America's greatest person. Now, this is a bit about elections. Who did Montgomery Burns run against for governor? When he lost because of Blinky, the three-eyed fish. Oh, my God. Uh, Mary Kay, she's based after the Texas female governor, Ann Richards. Um, her first name is like Mary Kay or something. It's, it's Mary Bailey. Mary Bailey. We'll give you a partial credit for that. I will be ranting about one Aaron Rodgers, a man who will not allow you to not think about him for 35 seconds. Andrew, how you doing, brother? Okay. Yeah, the pot, you know, the wallet's a little lighter after yesterday's games. Well, we're, we're going to get it back today. Let's oh, go. Yeah, I, Let's uh, get after it. I had a good day yesterday. So, dead or alive, this week was the first time since, I believe, 1967 that two centers scored over 45 points in the same game. I mean, in, in the same day. Embiid scored 50, Jokic scored 49 on the same day. Two centers have not scored over 45 on the same day since 1967. I'm going to give you a hint. They played against each other in three different NBA finals. 1967 was not one of those right. years. Okay. Who are they and are they dead or alive? One of them you can't miss because it's a center from the 60s scoring 50 points. Right. So I got that. They played against each other in three finals? Yep. You have to say who it is. Just right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain is correct. And famously, he's dead or alive. He is uh, he's dead. He, yes, he's he's been he's, dead a very long time. Us. And played in three finals. He will limp into your memory at any moment. <laughs> uh, Willis Reed. <laughs> Willis Reed is Willis correct. Reed. God damn it. Is he uh, dead or alive? I think Willis Reed is alive. Willis Reed is alive. Yeah. So congratulations and... We're not going to ask you to uh, send a, a uh, an edible arrangement to all of Wilt Chamberlain's well, He's got enough exes. sexual partners <laughs> yeah, there. Where that's can... 10,000 edible arrangements. His in-laws can handle that. So what, what are you good. ranting about? Um, John Stockton and his refusal to comply with his alma mater's mask guidelines and why he's had his tickets rescinded as a result. <laughs> to be the only Hall of Famer out of a certain university. He's the only Hall of Famer out of Kazan. He's got to be. And to get your tickets rescinded requires a special level of douchery. For sure. And what would be, uh, what was our main topic today? We're going to maybe, I don't want to draw a line between one John Stockton and Joseph Robin at Biden, but we're going to kind of assess his uh, freshman year in the White House with grades. And we're going to kind of draw some uh, parallels with other, uh, with coaches. We're going to, we're going to assess Joe Biden's first two semesters here. And with that, we will be back with our rants. Lying over the intersection of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew, Zach, and Ed. So, peek behind the curtain. We are halfway through the divisional divisional weekend. Divisional weekend. Uh, it's, yeah, are you it's sure a, it's not super divisional weekend? Because it was super wildcard weekend. No, it's, it's, it's also... It became a, super with one extra team. It's a stupid name for it, and this was on a, on the fantasy podcast on The Ringer, because this has nothing to do with divisions anymore. It used to, but now it doesn't. It's just where you are. And yet, so... Anyway, it's a stupid name. And Aaron Rodgers, coming off a brilliant performance where he led his team to three points after the first seven minutes of the game where he uh he did throw for 225 yards but no touchdowns he got sacked five times he fumbled those recovered he didn't gain any yards on the ground but just in case we didn't want to talk about Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers made sure after the game that he was very cryptic about his plans going forward so that 
what were people are talking about this morning? I've heard it, uh, in, you know, on television, on podcasts. Are well, was that Aaron Rodgers' last game in the playoffs? I, I don't know. Let's be clear, and no one doubts that Aaron Rodgers is a great player. He has, he's going to back to back MVP awards. That'll be his third, I believe. Right? He had he had won one previously, possibly t- uh, two. I yeah, maybe he might be fourth. I mean, he's one of the five or six greatest quarterbacks who ever lived in the regular season. He might be the wet Russell Westbrook of football because it is really hard to win 13 games three years in a row and never get a sniff of the Super Bowl. That's a tricky thing to do, and we keep waiting for him to switch to God mode, and yesterday he lost to Jimmy Garofalo. I don't really care about that. He's a great quarterback, but all year we have had to talk about this asshole a lot, and I think we have recognized that if it weren't for Dvorak, he'd be the biggest douche in sports. He might be anyway. So I'm just done thinking about Aaron Rodgers. He can sit down, you know, he can go run around with his his fiance and host game shows and make commercials. I'm done thinking about him no matter how much he demands we spend our time thinking about him. Yeah, I mean, he his whole thing about like, well, maybe I'll play, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll retire, maybe I won't is just either do it or shut the fuck up. Like, retire, don't retire, keep playing, play. You know, why does he have to be a dickhead about everything? Like, just say what you want to do and then do it. If you want to retire, just retire. If you don't want to play for the Packers anymore, sit out. Or or don't say anything. When they ask you, you say, I don't know. You know, this is not the time for that question. I just led my team to three points in the last 40, uh, 53 minutes of a football game. I mean, part of that is also like his status in the game, that he's the presumptive MVP winner this year, back-to-back. Coming into last night, uh, I believe the Packers, in his, he had 23 playoff starts. And in all 23 starts, the Packers had scored at least 20 points. And last night, obviously, they, they scored 10. They scored half of that. Um, but the fact is, he's still, he's a needle mover on the field. And whether his, his lack of playoff success over really the better part of a decade-plus He's still, again, like wherever he goes, wherever he might play, he is going to be a a, a huge difference maker. Um, maybe not in the playoffs based on his record, but listen, he's a douchebag, no question, but he's still arguably the best quarterback in the game, and I think that's why his status going into next year is still relevant, why we're talking about it. it on it's it's going to be a long offseason. We're going to hear this It's going to be insufferable, yeah, and, 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 and I, I agree. And, and that's my point. It's a long offseason. Why don't you let the football players who are still playing football get the attention for, for for three weeks. Can you go three weeks without people talking about you on ESPN? Is that is that too much task? You, but he was asked. He's asked, "What's your stat? What's he supposed? What is he supposed to say?" He's supposed to say, "Hey, I just I lost mean, a football game, and that's what I'm thinking fair, about." Fair. Like it's not like you know who did not answer that question after losing Tom Brady. When it's you're uh, when you are a significantly bigger douche than Tom Brady. Hasn't lost you, yet, you, though. You have you have broken through the ice. Brandy. No, I just mean in general. Brandy, you're the resident Packer uh, owner. Owner, yes, yes. <laughs> Do you, th- no, you think this is Rogers' last game? Uh, you know, I've we've had a lot of meetings over the last week. We had a bye week last week, so owners usually meet up that week, and we do the Zoom call. We talk. Um, we get some things together, and you know, we've really been talking about the last few years. His 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 on field performance has been great, other than the playoffs. He doesn't receive well in the locker room. He doesn't get along. You know, he's he's always a little distant. And we've been trying to get the best. Well, value thank out God. Of Otherwise, you would have infected right. half the team. Um, and we think that the Packers are even even after yesterday's performance in a good place with our defense and everything else. And I, I truly think we're going to be able to find a new home for Aaron Rodgers uh, this offseason. Yeah, I the which thing, we've been trying to do for a few years. But mouth. you know, the thing's going to be is like who wants to take on Aaron Rodgers at 39, 38? Well, who's going to want to give up three first round draft picks? Yeah, for him? no, we won't ask for that. Just one first round. Oh, no, a, a, a team that's in win now. Win a Super Bowl we'll get five or six picks, but only yeah, one will yeah, be like in the first round. If Stafford got three first round picks, Aaron Rodgers is getting three that's first true. round picks. That's true. All right. And I have a uh, rare rant of positivity of uh, on the Bill Bradley Collective where uh, last weekend I was watching the Bills Patriots game, uh, which was a dominant performance by Josh Allen and the Bills. Uh, somebody that my wife likes to remind me that she called elite four years ago before anyone else. <laughs> uh, and I was on Twitter and I kept seeing this picture on Twitter of a bearded guy shirtless in the crowd. And I couldn't figure out why it kept going on. And then I realized, oh, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, quarterback for the Washington football team, was at the Bills game shirtless in the middle of the crowd. He didn't get a special seat. He just bought like a bleacher seat like everyone else, drinking beer shirtless in zero-degree weather, screaming with the Bills fans. Is there a more fun quarterback that has ever existed than Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, he is not going to make the Hall of Fame, but God, <laughs> we're going to talk. We're going to talk. We're going to be talking about him for like the next twenty years, more than we're talking about yeah, some of these well, other see, guys. See, this is why, like, my argument that NRBQ and the Toaster should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they provided so much fun for so long, and it didn't really matter. Like, if you were in on it, it was the best thing ever. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the NRBQ of football players. No one's ever gone to see him and had a bad time. Maybe he threw five touchdowns and 450 yards. Maybe he threw three interceptions. Maybe he did both. But you knew you had a good time. The best pair of socks that I've ever owned, (laughs) um, one Ed Levy is responsible for. Uh, They are adorned with the number 14, Washington football team colors, and the face, the bearded face of one Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, Listen, the last... Post Rex, post 2010, where we get the the, the two Sanchez title uh, AFC championship game appearances. Since then, and that was a long time ago, the most fun Jet seasons, Zach, were the, was the Ryan seasons. Fitzpatrick seasons. Like, no question. And because not only were they fun, they were good. They he were, was good. They were, they were a combination of the most fun seasons and the most drunk I've ever got watching. Jets. And, and, here. But, and, and that's be, the charm of Ryan before Fitzpatrick. Before Shawan, the most fun Bill seasons were his. Absolutely. And before... Um, Joe Burrow, the most fun Bengals seasons were him. Yeah. He just goes places, beats out young guys for the for the, for the starting job, and and it's just so much fun. And to get back to the first rant, you know what he doesn't ever do? Beg for attention. Like he didn't put that on his own Instagram. Yeah. He's just out there having fun, and he puts butts in seats. Like I can literally think. When was the last time I watched so a Miami football game? Oh, when Fitzpatrick played there. Yeah, exactly. that's the last time I watched a Miami game to watch a Miami game. Was for Fitzpatrick. And, and by the way, it, it, how much it, more fun would the would the Titans a game have been yesterday if it was Fitzpatrick throwing three interceptions instead of uh, instead of Tannehill? It, it's just, can you imagine a quarter, any other quarterback going to another team's game <laughs> and sitting with their fans and cheering? Yes, I can. Shirtless. Uh, uh, it's on the other side of the. Uh, you love them, you hate them. Aaron Rodgers may go to a uh, Niners playoff game. Oh, oh God. just to inf- just to infect the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we move on, I just want to say, like, where does Ryan Fitzpatrick stand? What do you think? You think with like Harvard alumni, like, what? How do you think the Harvard sector kind of uh, receives Ryan? All right, so he Harvard puts him ahead of the guy who who James Brown did host the Fox show, the Fox uh, pre- pregame show, uh, or not? Is it the Fox one? Yeah, James Brown hosts that. Oh, he's on CBS. He used CBS. to be on Fox. Right, yeah, he's on CBS. Right. CBS. He's above him. I don't know James Brown with the Harvard. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I I guess he is, he's got to be the most successful Harvard player in the history of professional sports. Well, maybe not. There might be hockey players I'm forgetting. That's it, I, he's probably one of the only alum that is responsible for, like, thousands upon thousands of deaths from the CIA. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I think they should put Ryan Fitzpatrick. They should name a wing after him. <laughs> You mean who's not responsible? Yes, yes not. right, right. He didn't crash the economy. No, nothing bad. He he's didn't. Never do pull, he's never pulled a coup. Yeah, like, he's never done anything evil, and so that puts him way ahead of most harm. Ahead of Raphael Cruz, it, it's, right? It's him and the guys. It's him and uh, Conan O'Brien. Yep, that's it. That's <laughs> the two. So, as much as I'd like to continue talking playoff football and quarterbacks that we love, um, and maybe this is kind of like a juxtaposition because I'm so sick of talking about uh, of COVID and masks and vaccines, whatever. Not that I, I'm pro-mask, I'm pro-vaccine, obviously. But when I see a headline uh, with masks and COVID and basketball Hall of Famers that were a part of, a huge part of my childhood, um, I just have to, I have to step in, I have to say something. John Stockton, famed uh, Utah Jazz point guard uh, and alumnus of one Gonzaga University, which and in, in Stockton played there before kind of Gonzaga took off and became like this weird national powerhouse that they are now, uh, one of the top teams in the country, top programs in the country. Like a lot of famous alumnuses that are still local, uh, and he is local to Spokane, Washington, Stockton is a fixture at every Gonzaga home game. But Gonzaga has very strict, the university has very strict uh, mask mandates at their games. You are required to wear a mask at these games. And John Stockton has failed to comply with that 
and thus his tickets for the season have been suspended by the university. Now, when I saw the headline, I was like, Jesus, why is Stockton, you know, Stockton, COVID truth or whatever. I was reminded of something I saw last summer, and the article actually confirmed this because on YouTube, he, he posted this, uh, this documentary, if you can call it that, last summer, titled COVID and the Vaccine, yep. Truth, Lies, and Misconceptions Revealed. But he gave this in front of the bookshelf where he was like, I read all these books. And that's a, that's a pretty bad room raider as well. That was a rough, <laughs> rough hang for, for John. Um, I never liked the jazz growing up. John Stockton, Carl Malone, fuck them. I was much more of a, you know, I, I, I liked the Jordan Bulls. I liked the Peyton Kemp Sonics. I liked the uh, Elijah Wan Rockets. It, the Knicks, obviously. Every other team but them. We all know Carl Malone is kind of this like psychotic douchebag. I never thought that John Stockton was a psychotic douchebag until last summer and until now. Where can he just wear a fucking mask? They're not asking. Like, like and he's very kind of congenial in how he's stepping aside. Like, yep, they have their policy, and uh, I'm not going to comply. It's fine. Hopefully, we can repair this relationship soon. Or you can just wear a fucking mask. Gonzaga's a national title contender. You can go to the games, support the program. Put a mask on for two hours. Jesus. What, when, what when, is so hard about this? When we go see URI UMass next Saturday, we're going to have to wear a mask at that game for the entire game. I've already been to one URI game this year where we had to wear a mask. You know what happened? I forgot I was wearing a mask halfway through the game. Because it just, no, it just becomes a part of whatever's on my face. This is, this is one of the things of like, we know too much about too many people. I don't want to know that John Stockton is a crazy COVID anti-vaxxer. I just want to know he was the best passer of, he's the best point guard assistman in the history of the NBA. Like, that's all I need to know about him. I don't need to know he's a douche. I just, I'd rather, my life would be better if I didn't know he was an anti-COVID uh, fucking vaccine truther. Instead of thinking like, oh yeah, he's just a Hall of Famer. The same with Carl Malone. Like, he's a huge, massive, conservative dickhead. And it's like, yeah, man, I just... I wish I just remembered you as the mailman, you know, and it's just like, that sucks. I think there's only so much time that it's good to spend in Utah. And <laughs> these guys probably broke that. God help John ja Morant. <laughs> oh, he's so, always in Memphis. No, that's right. No, that's right. no, it would be uh, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell actually Mitchell. seems like a good dude. He is a good dude. Well, but for now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> Not until the Mormons get their hooks. Salt them. Lake City just... You know, I just, yeah. Um, there's, something, there's something about the Mormon religion that just turns people. And the other thing is, uh, it, it's, a, it's a nice reminder when you think back on those jazz teams to look at uh, Stockton's assist uh, numbers and Malone's points numbers and just kind of roll your eyes and say, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was great, wasn't it? He won like <laughs> 51 games a year and run Ostertag had 13 rebounds and I'm sure it was fun, but like it had nothing to do with anybody else. So, I mean, they did make what, one finals? They went to two. They went but to two again, finals. they were non-competitive really against yeah. the Bulls. Uh, right. So while we're on the topic of, I guess, deranged older white men, <laughs> let that be a perfect segue into today's main topic. <laughs> where um that it's might a, be a little harsh <laughs> maybe a little harsh man you're you're marking your territory early well, in this get, debate well we're gonna get into it and i don't think it's a debate it's more of an, a critical assessment of the first 12 months of the joseph biden administration it's next after the break on the bill bradley collective my family he's got a gun someone's breaking into your home what do you do Call 911. It takes the police an average of 35 minutes to respond to a 911 call. In that time, a burglar could have his way with your wife, smoke a cigarette, flip her over and go in for seconds. Don't let the worst happen to you. It is vital that you protect yourself. Do it the patriotic way. That's right. Ammunition has all the equipment you need to protect your family from the evils of a liberal society. Fixed, mounted, and shoulder-held submachine guns, mortars, surface-to-air and all manner of heat-seeking missiles, and just in to celebrate the Gulf War, pink and blue tracer bullets so you can protect your family in the dark. Start the week off right on Make My Day Mondays with two-for-one on main strafe and kill landmines. Got Gulf War syndrome? Get ten bucks off all machine gun rentals. Hey, if you love your family, prove it with a gun. Ammunition, protecting your rights. 
So my friend Stuart, an avid listener to our show, said that we should rename our show the White Guilt Power Hour uh, because that's what we do. But I want to show that we are different kind of white men in terms of just feeling being guilty because only white men who in the, among the four of us have a total of two years elected experience in politics feel that we are capable of judging someone who's been in politics for 50 years on their first year. We're the ones who should be doing this, and I don't think anyone disagrees with us. So it's Biden is now, at this recording, about 366 days in? It is 367 one, uh, days One year in. and three days. All right, yeah. So, so, yeah, 368 days in to his first term in office or his only term in office, depending on how it goes. And we decided we were going to do some grades. So, Andrew... You described him as the John Stockton of politics. Um, uh, you know, and he probably, he was a good vice president, so he not, did get a lot of assists. A tenured member of the Senate, yeah. Of course. So, just in general, just so as, for a starting point, if you had to give him a grade for his freshman year at WHU, what would it be? A C-. minus. Now, I say that as somebody that received a C- minus or two at the undergraduate level. And the reason why I may have received those C minuses maybe kind of is similar to why I would assess Biden a C minus because there were classes. Yeah, maybe there was a lack of effort. Maybe there was a, I was more into uh, me personally, drinking, gambling, et cetera. But also like courses that I did bad in, did poorly in, C minus in, were courses that were a little just over my head, out of my I was I was I was in too deep. This isn't this isn't this is not curriculum that I can excel in. And for me, the first year of Biden, I think this guy is and this is listen again, this is like his fault cuz he got into this race and he won this race and he won this election. He's in over his head. This is too, the, the 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 country that he inherited a year ago. This is this is too much it's too much for him. He's in over his head. He's in too deep. And uh, his performance has not been uh, to the level of, you know, certain promises, certain, you know, just things that he spoke of on the, on the campaign trail in, in the run-up to the election. I, and, and I think part of why he's uh, under uh, underwhelmed is because he's, it, this is beyond his sort of comprehension, beyond, beyond, beyond his, uh, you know, level. Exactly. I think I'm in a similar boat with you. I'd give him a C minus to a D plus, like a 2.0, 1.8 GPA. I think if you look back a year ago when we talked about Joe Biden, we had uh, when our episode about his inauguration, uh, we were all filled with optimism. We all thought this was kind of a brand new administration, a brand new uh, type of presidency. And instead, what we've gotten is largely more of the same uh, that we've gotten not only in the last four years, but in the last 10 and when I say the last four years, I mean things like immigration policy. Uh, there are still people in cages at the border. There are still children being separated from families at the border. Uh, Biden ran very hard against that to say that this was an inhumane policy and that he would change it. And he just simply hasn't. Uh, he sent Kamala down to Guatemala or South America to just tell people not to come to America, uh, which is something that Trump also did. So on that, there's been very little change. I think if you look at the policies he's passed... I don't know what the hell you're talking about because what policies has he passed? He passed uh, a trillion dollar bipartisan infrastructure bill that was largely supposed to be partnered with the Build Back Better bill because the real parts that actually affected the trillion dollar infrastructure bill were in the Build Back Better deal. There were many economists and many uh, academics who said just the trillion dollar infrastructure package is terrible for climate change if it is not partnered with the Build Back Better agenda. The Build Back Better agenda is dead. So, he is not going to pass that, and he can't even get the Voting Rights Act passed. He ran on being able to bring this country together, and he can't bring the Democrats together. And I think that's something that, so, that falls solely on his head. All right. So we, I have a lot to talk about with your specific takes, but I'll just go to the more general. I'm in the B-minus range. He was not my first pick for the Democratic nomination. He was not my second. He was not my third. He was not my fourth. He was, I think, my sixth. I was concerned that, oh, I was concerned he was more moderate than I would prefer him to be. But I do think 
there are some political realities that because we live in the Northeast and because we live even in, within the Northeast in the area of progressive politics, especially you and me, Zach, which is it's what we do for a living, that it's easy to form an echo chamber and say, well, because we clearly view this as right, it's what needs to be done. And don't really think about, yeah, but can it be? Or, or, you know, or how will it be done? But the other reason was I thought he was looking at a political landscape that does not exist. Yes. And if I'm going to criticize him for anything, well, I'm going to criticize him for this. He was wrong about that. He was wrong about that in the Obama administration. That in the Obama administration, it became abundantly clear that, you know, Mitch McConnell was the first, it became abundantly clear that they had no interest in working for a better country, they being the Republicans. McConnell said when Obama won that the number one agenda of Republicans was to make Obama a failure. When Biden won, he said the number one agenda for Senate Republicans is to make Obama, uh, to make Biden a failure. No other Senate president has ever said that since the Civil War. Everything before the Civil War is a different country. Obviously, the racism, the inherent racism, and disregard for everyone who's not a white Christian that, that created the Civil War still exists today. I'm, I'm not oblivious to that but politically it was a different country until now where we're back to that world i don't know what biden is expected to do about that yes if he was a dynamic leader if he was someone who could rally people maybe but obama was that person and that was a huge struggle for him our, part, our country is not built on one party having no interest in governance whatsoever. But I think that was the thing with Biden that I talked about in, in my grade of he ran on being able to bring bipartisanship. He, he That was a major part of his campaign was that he could, you know, quote unquote, heal the country, unite the country. And he hasn't united the Democrats around an agenda. His agenda hasn't stalled because the Republicans have fought him. His, his agenda stalled because the Democrats are fighting. But him. That, that was true of Obama, too. That not not in the same way because uh, not well. in the same way because the only Democrat the only Democrat that Barack Obama lost on votes like health care was Joe Lieberman who by the way was not a Democrat he ran under the Connecticut for Joe party and caucused yeah, that, with the Democrats that, that's that, that's he, a distinction without a difference and he, the only and he supported McCain well but the only reason he he ran as an independent was because he lost the nomination when he ran for but as a he, Democrat. But then he supported John McCain in the yeah. presidential election and the Democrats, I mean, uh, and then what did the Democrats I do? Mean, they welcomed him back into their caucus. Te technically, technically, Bernie isn't a Democrat or Angus uh, King isn't a Democrat. They're closer, to, they're closer to being Democrat oh, yeah, than Joe oh, Lieberman ever Oh, is. no, no, but Joe Lieberman's the Antichrist. I'm and, not and like... By, and by the way, like, but here's the thing, though. It's... I realize it's very hard to call a Jewish man the Antichrist. I and I was like, but, but that's like... That's not why he's the Antichrist. But, but he would have been Antichrist if he was any religion. Here's also the thing about that point you just made is Bernie Sanders, independent, Angus King, independent. They're not fighting Joe Biden. No. They're, they're supporting his agenda 110%. No. Bernie Sanders has gone out there and fought for Joe Biden's agenda. And how did Joe Biden repay Bernie Sanders? In a press conference, he said, I'm not a socialist. I'm not Bernie Sanders. I'm not trying to change the country. So all Bernie got for supporting Joe Biden's agenda was Joe Biden throwing him under the bus. And at, the, at some point... That's who, if they tell you who they are, that's who they are. Do you think there's anything that Biden could do differently to get Manchin on cinema or any of the 50 Republicans who are supposed to represent this country onto his side of the agenda? I think this is where I'm most kind of sympathetic to Biden, where I kind of give him some leeway, where what... what what is he supposed to do with a Joe Manchin or a Kristen Sinema? Like, what what exactly is the expectation to get him to get those Dems on board? Like, what I, I'm I'm curious. I, I'm not, I don't work in politics. How, how many rallies? How, what? How many rallies has Joe Biden held in West Virginia? How many press conferences has Joe Biden ran had in West Virginia? How many rallies has Joe Biden had in Arizona? How many press conferences so, has Joe Biden had in Arizona? How many times has Joe Biden visited Arizona or visited West Virginia to put pressure on Manchin or Cinema? The answer is zero. And you're saying that's the answer, though, that, to, to get to them go, to, that's, that's to, the go, power, that's to the go power. to their... Yeah, that's the power of the presidency. When the president goes somewhere and talks, 
everyone covers See, it. Everyone follows it. It's the power of the bully pulpit. He has spent zero time in West Virginia making his case to West Virginians about why they need to call Joe Manchin and get him on board with this agenda. He hasn't done any of that. I tend to blame, and I do blame him for some for that. I do. Now, he's not Barack Obama in terms of somebody holding rallies, or Donald Trump in terms of somebody holding rallies. He's a, I will say, I mean, he's an older if, man. If who, Donald Trump, if this roles reversed, if um, Jim Justice, uh, the governor of West Virginia, was the Republican senator from West Virginia and he was fighting Joe Biden's, uh, Donald Trump's agenda, Donald Trump would be living in West Virginia. Yeah, that is, that is true. Also, the head of the Senate would have pulled him out of every committee, true. told him they're a primary, which is no not a threat to Manchin. It is a huge threat to cinema. That I tend to hold Chuck Schumer as responsible or more responsible than Biden for that. I also would say that it was Nancy Pelosi's decision and not Biden's decision to separate the infrastructure bill from the Build Back Better bill because she couldn't win it. And so... She took what she could. I mean, but that was also the, the Senate. That was Mansion and Cinema again in the right. Senate. Yes, and and Cinema will probably lose her next election. It's a blue enough state that she'll get primaried. She doesn't care because she's already already put herself in a position to reap countless tens of millions of dollars over this. And and this is kind of where I land with Biden. He has inherited a desperately broken politics. And government. And, and Zach, you brought up immigration. And I might have thought you were going to do this because I did some research on immigration. Because it is a problem. I mean, the child separation policy still exists. How, well, however, all right, when Biden came in, the cap on immigration was 15000 He raised it to 62.5 in the first year. Right? That was his first, one of his first executive orders. People will point out that only 11,414 people were allowed in which is more than Trump did, but not exactly. How many has he deported? Oh, he is deported because of COVID over about a million. Yeah, but which is, by the way, more than Donald Trump. Right, but part of that was because more people have come over and COVID is a real issue. And also, there is a, he can't lose the border. Like, he's trying to get Christine Sinema on board. That's an issue that he has to deal with. But but let's go back to immigration because he, he is still sticking with his promise to 125,000. The reason there's a problem is because Trump gutted the government agencies that processed immigrants. That it over and over, one of the things that Trump did over and over and over, when you have a party or a leader of the party, and Trump is the Republican Party at this point, there is no point in differentiating. He is the Republican Party. When you have a party that is set out to prove that government doesn't work, what you do is take all the abilities of the government to work. He's taking over, you know, we're going to talk later about if, if he was a coach. Well, who would he be? And I'm not using this comparison because I don't want to get hit. But it's like taking over for Adam Gase. Adam Gase has ruined your entire team. Taking over for the Giants this year. I don't care. God could take over for the Giants. You're not winning any games because the entire infrastructure of the team is shot. But here, here's the thing. You remember about a year ago or four years ago, three years ago, all the pink hats out there, all the resistance libs out there holding rallies, AOC going down to the border and having that faux crying photograph where she's staring into the cages because children are being separated. Yes or no? Does that policy still exist? The policy still exists. And the policy predates The policy still exists. But, but, but. <laughs> yes, but the, I, policy, I, but, the policy but, predates him to Trump and it predates Trump to Obama, who, by the way, oh, Biden was his vice president. Right. And one of the reasons for this policy was because, the original reason for the policy was because they wanted to find relatives in the United States who could take care of the kids, and they had no place to put them. And cages, and, and obviously cages, when you look at them, this was a bad idea. Like, build a hotel. How many protests have we seen about this policy since Joe Biden's taken over? Okay, but but you're blaming Biden for a policy he's continued. Yeah, but you're blaming policy Biden for the fact that there's no pressure on him to do anything else because that, he hasn't. Because the fact of the matter is, Democrats don't give a shit about immigration and brown people being split from their families unless a Republican's doing it. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying is that Biden's fault? Yes, it's his fault because he's still doing it. 
He's still separating. No, 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 he's no. still. It's Biden's fault that he is still separating the children. It, it's Biden's fault that this policy is still existing, and it's Democrats' fault for not holding him accountable for it. I don't disagree with that. I'm. 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 Uh, yeah. I'm on board with Zach here. I just think that <clears throat> he inherited rubble, and yes, the reason none of us supported him is his plan to get us out of the rubble was not the plan we liked. Where I always push back, and it turns out, I've been told, I push back on this every single episode, is that there's no difference between him and the person who created the rubble. That the person who broke everything and the person who didn't fix it are the same. No, the person who broke everything is responsible for breaking it. Now, if you promise you're going to fix it, and you don't, that's a problem. But right now, if you take rubble and turn it into gravel, you don't get credit for changing the consistency of what the shit is. The, now, I will say this. The one thing I do give Joe Biden a lot of credit for is that for the last 20 years of my life, we've been we spent trillions of dollars on a war we shouldn't have really been in. Mm -hmm. And Joe Biden pulled us out. Now, he didn't pull us out in the best way possible. I mean, 13 Marines got got killed. It was kind of a mess. He just kind of like there were videos of Afghanis hanging onto the sides of planes as we drove, flew off. It was very similar to uh, Vietnam. To Vietnam. You, it's a lot easier to get in a war than get out of one. But Joe Biden taking us out of Afghanistan, I think, is his main achievement over the last year. And I think it's something he deserves an immense amount of credit for. And it's something that people thought would sink his presidency. And then everyone realized we don't really give a shit about Afghanistan. And nobody thought about it about a month later. <laughs> One of those things where, like, for, for forever, and this was a big kind of, uh, like, Trump was trying to, like, take credit. He he wanted to get out of Afghanistan for, for the longest, or he said, he said as much. Well, Joe finished his plan, yeah. yeah. And Joe, right. And it seems well, like... No, a, Joe, Joe did the, what there was no plan to do. I mean, there was no plan to get us out of Afghanistan. He just said, we're that, leaving. That yeah. was another example of... Republicans seem to find issue with it, where if, if it was Trump that actually got us out, then it would have been Democrats that had issue with it. Just another very just sort of partisan, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But bottom line is like, no, that was the right thing to do. However messy it might have been. No, that was. He, he's getting kicked in the teeth about the Ukraine. Trump removed all the trade yeah. troops from the border. Yeah. And now he's saying, I'm not going in over a border skirmish. I, I and, and, and putting us in the Ukraine for 25 years because Biden, I, I Biden, think, the, the, Biden has said those two regrets he has the most. The way he handled Anita Hill, which was shameful in the moment, and his vote for the Iraq war. And those are the two things he regrets the most, and I think he has been purposeful to not replace that. I think I think people believed he was more of a hawk than he is because he's been a hawk for 50 years. But in reality, Biden's kind of been a non-interventionist and, and not wanted – like, one – should we fucking get involved because of a skirmish in Ukraine and Russia for 25? No, who get, that's their problem. Let Ukraine and Russia figure that out. Why do we have to figure that out? Let them figure that out. That's their border. That's not our border. Right. And by the way, the reason the Ukrainian troops were pulled out was because... Trump wanted to let Russia go in. Because and the Ukrainian guy didn't give him dirt yep. on Hunter Biden. Yep. So that, I mean, I do also think the fact that just national humiliations are not a daily experience of our life that you don't wake up every morning and check to Twitter and say, Oh my God, what happened? It's the John Mulaney horse in the hospital joke about, you know, well, you didn't pay attention to the last guy. Well, oh, he seemed okay. And like he knew what he was doing and I'm busy. It's not to me. It's kind of nice to get back to that sense of he's like, you look at his faux pas you know, because the press can't stop doing that. I I think that might be why me and Andrew's grades are a little lower than yours is because at least with me, I don't know if Andrew, I wasn't comparing Joe Biden to Donald Trump. I was comparing Joe yeah. Biden to Joe Biden. You compare Joe yeah. Biden to Donald Trump all no, I, every no, time for, you for say the, he's the, no different than the, the last well, guy. You know. the, well, to be fair, many of his policies are no different. So it's hard to it's hard to find the differences. Yeah, he's a nicer guy. Yeah, he's not on Twitter calling Bette Midler crazy. Yeah, he's not he's not out there. You, he's not I, out there calling Kim Jong un a fine guy or a fat little do man. Do you actually think it's hard to find the differences? I think policy wise, I think of, I think the policies that Joe Biden has continued under Donald Trump are the worst policies that Donald Trump had. I pretty strongly disagree. I think the tenor of racial animus that was in everything he said. How was, everything how was Biden on the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict? 
the Rittenhouse moment, I said what I thought the best things he did were. The worst thing he's done was the Rittenhouse, um, the Rittenhouse issue. But first of all, um, that was not a murder of black people. I mean, it just no. Was, it was a murder. It was a murder. It was a murder. It was a murder. It was a murder of and, that was caused and because secondly, of a black to, And secondly, as angry as I am at him, the fact that states in this country have a made owning a gun simpler than getting a driver's license, and b then removed removing any sense of responsibility once you have that gun. That that is something. And again, it appeals to Biden's worst instinct, which is, well, this is the way it is, and we'll have to work incrementally to fix it. And if we all work together, he lives in a world that no longer exists. I don't know. I mean, do you think, clearly there would be, student debt would be a whole different thing under a Warren or a Bernie issue. Well, yeah, uh, Biden, well, Biden and Donald Trump are exactly the same on student loan debt forgiveness. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, just, that's just that's just true. As as of this point, it is. I mean, I would like. I believe he will take an action at some point soon because there's a lot of pressure on him to do that. He probably knows he needs the progressives more than he has them right now. That's also a super controversial issue. It's not controversial for us. It, but I talked to someone the other day and said, I went to a cheap college because I knew I couldn't afford the loans. Somebody goes to an expensive college. Wait, I now it's okay. Why I, did I? I went to two state schools. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand that. But I went to Eastern and URI. I, I, no, I understand that, but a lot of people didn't. Yeah. And and they're saying, well, wait a second. You know, like, I made the decision. I can't afford those. I was, I was, you know, you one time said the problem with our economy is inequity, laws that build inequity, and uh, uneducated consumers with access to credit. Yes. And if, you know, and that the uneducated consumers with access to credit in this in this formation, you know, of, of people who are against yeah. it, say, well, wait a second. Yeah, you shouldn't give an 18-year-old a $60,000 loan. No, you shouldn't. Uh, you should not. Uh, you shouldn't, and you yeah. shouldn't be a parent who allows that, which I did. And so, you well, know. Well, it's the only way I can go to college. It's the only way anyone can go to college now. Right, because because when you have, an, just like in healthcare, when you have an industry who does not have, has act, who who does not have any checks on inflation, on their own inflationary practices, you're dead. Not to kind of shift gears here, but I think maybe an, a halcyon rant in the history of the Bill Bradley Collective was one that you, Ed, did on the series of press secretaries that served under Trump, mm-hmm. Spicer and, and Sarah Sanders and Kelly McEnany, whatever, and likening them to failed Cleveland Browns quarterbacks and whatnot. And we, oh, I remember that. That and, was good. It was great. <laughs> and we threw all kinds of shots at McEnany during her run in 2020. Jen for her to get up there, and she is a, in large part, a reflection of, of Joe Biden. And for her to, for instance, just kind of callously kind of mock the, the, the idea of readily available at home, like COVID yep. testing, big fucking problem with me. That, that, that really, that really soured me big because of... I think for obvious reasons, like I, I go to, I'm, I'm working in public every day and like, I'd love to, for a stretch there, I wanted to get tested every fucking day. And it's, it's really hard to, and for her to get up there and to kind of just the, the mock in my mind, the idea she did. She did she am mocked. I wrong? Yeah. Like, she, she did. It, it was, it was one of so, her worst moments. So I guess what I would ask is, is uh, Joe Biden with the pandemic and COVID. What are your thoughts, both of you on, on that? I, I think we're no better off than we were a year ago. I mean, well, the vaccine, and how much of that is on there's more there's more people there's more people vaccinated but positivity rates are going up we're there's, about to we're about to hit a million deaths um there's 203 more million people vaccinated yes no so, I mean, like it's not 70,000 yeah. hey well thank god the last guy got <laughs> us the vaccine <laughs> well yeah but yeah. Al- <laughs> but also like, I mean, that's that, also the, and that doesn't and if you want to make comparisons though there's more people vaccinated but there's less people getting boosters right well there have been problems with the boosters. One thing that Biden maybe should have thought about but didn't, but I don't know how you're going to address this, is an entire media apparatus telling people who follow them not to get vaccinated. That if that didn't exist, now he has not said, you know, look, you're well, actually, he did say. He did put in a federal vaccine mandate. Federal vaccine mandate, which the Supreme Court, which is not any Democrat's fault, nope. overthrew. 
And if you, you know, and I did not read, but I read synopsis of Kavanaugh's statement, which seems like something that somebody who probably should have failed out of law school wrote. And, but, you know, we live in a country that is now impossible to govern. So we're never going to find a president who does a good job because you cannot govern this country. But wasn't the whole reason Joe Biden was shoved down our throats and why everyone had to clear the gates, why, you know, all, why Elizabeth Warren had to stay in until after Super Tuesday, why Pete Buttigieg had to get out before Super Tuesday so we could have to get Joe Biden shoved down our throats was because he was the great uniter, that he was the one who could reach across the aisle, that he could be bipartisan. Wasn't that we were what we were all told? That was the bill of goods we the, were sold. The, the reason he's president is because more Democrats voted for him than anybody else. That's yeah. why he's president. Yeah, but that was what he was sold. Was. He's, right. He was oh, a bipartisan no. guy. Which is why we didn't like him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's why we didn't want him. He's trying to do something that hasn't been able to be done, you know, in in since Clinton's time. And Clinton did it by just making the Democrats Republicans. Republicans. Yeah. And so now we have a party that is the old Republican Party and we have a neo-fascist party. And that's what we have. So the highlight of this. Andrew, you're our sports person. Cheer. Thank you. If he had to be, saying. if he is, if he were to be a coach, owner, whatever. Who is he? To me, he is, and this is at the end of the line in this person's, because I believe this person's probably about the same age as Joe Biden is now. He's Larry Brown. He's somebody, what the country needed was a sort of, I, I think he needed a rebuild, not a septuagenarian sent to do, again, a Herculean task. Of, of getting this country, you know, out of what both Biden inherited. The problem is, like Larry Brown. Larry Brown has excelled his, his, his entire coaching career at various stops. But at the end, you don't send Larry Brown in to do a younger man's, a, a more sort of, a more, I don't know, he's a virile, virile? Virile. Virile. Virile, excuse me, virile. So um no, and it gets back to what I said. I just think this was this was not the under this was not something that a seventy something year old man could could possibly do conceivably do. He inherited something that was too much for him. It would be like it would be like hiring Larry Brown to rebuild a a top flight college basketball team that's fallen on hard times and is needed to rebuild an NBA team that's in the gutter. That would it would be like by electing Biden, it would be like hiring Larry Brown to uh, do a rebuild, which Larry Brown as great as he was, was not capable of doing, if that makes sense. I think uh, the cloche he's most like is Joe Judge of the New York Giants. I think after, you know, Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer uh, <laughs> destroy the Giants franchise, you bring in Joe Judge, uh, this hot shot who had a better guy above him. You know, he he had a, Obama as the Belichick in this situation, had another guy above him and come in and uh, try to rebuild this franchise, and instead is calling QB sneaks on when it's third and nine from the old five. Uh, yeah, that's Joe Biden right there. I, wow. I, I don't I don't <laughs> think he's calling QB sneaks. But I, see, all right, so I'm going to be kinder because I've been kinder the entire time, and maybe it's because I'm a little more... You're closer uh, in age. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm closer to being a septuagenarian. Closer to his peer group. And, and by the way, that age issue would have also been a Warren and Bernie issue. Yeah. Bernie's older. So, yeah, but Bernie's 22 in his heart. <laughs> and his opinions. Um, <laughs> when you haven't changed your mind in 60 years, that's a sign of either hitting it early or being pretty stubborn. Well, it's but, hard to say he didn't hit it early. <laughs> he hit it. Oh, I, I would I would gladly take a time machine and, and watch Joe Biden go in on, on uh, the, on, I mean, uh, Bernie go in on the 21st or 20th, whatever yeah. day it was. I think he's Vince Fangio. Vince Fangio has been uh, uh, Vic Vic Fangio, the quarter, uh, a coach of the Denver Broncos, the departed just, coach, just yeah. been fired. Fangio had been around forever, doing important but secondary roles. He got his shot at being the leader, probably seven years or so too late. Took over a broken franchise. Did okay. It was kind of a meh job. He did kind of a meh job. He didn't. He he was not the disaster that Joe Judge was. 
in times. I mean, he's not having these crazy press conferences like Joe Judge did and screaming and, and, and having people quit and lying about stuff. He didn't do any of that stuff. He just did an <laughs> eh job. And and I think Biden's doing it. Eh. But like it's but like like Fangio, maybe if you gave him a quarterback, he'd do fine. Maybe if you gave him a Democratic Senate leader who could whip his group, he'd be fine. He doesn't have that Democratic Senate leader. He doesn't. I mean, if Lyndon Johnson was heading the Senate, you would be looking for Christine Sinema's body. I think. Like, I think it is fair to say that if Joe Biden had Harry Reid the way Obama had Harry Reid, it would have been a very different first year. I think that's 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 completely fair. That's a completely fair take. Right, and it's, I think, yeah. and if he had, and if if, if if Fangio didn't have Drew Locke and Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater or, or, or John Elway, a pretty porous executive, right above you know, him, like, and I just feel like. I, I put a lot of thought into this, and I thought that's like, good. It's, it's good. It's, it's Fangio. It's good. And Fangio was fine. Like he wasn't great. That's, he was that's a bad. Good he wasn't. I mean, he got fired for a reason, but he didn't get fired the second year. He, should, for a he shouldn't have gotten fired. I didn't think they, 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 they should have fired Elway. They, they should have fired Elway. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. They should fire Schumer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, know? absolutely. Or we should change the fucking rules so you can actually, you know, Govern. you don't have forty-two Republican senators who represent twenty-one percent of the population. Preventing anything. Yeah. That didn't go as badly as it could have. I could have it could have gotten ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I liked I like to think my calm, cool, collected uh, attitude prevented that from happening. Yes. Yeah. Every everyone knows I'm the calmest one of this yeah. people. And, and, and your your connection to Joe Judge is something that has been noted and considered before. <laughs> and with that, we will see you next week on the Bill Bradley Collective. Thank you for joining us on the Bill Bradley Collective. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe on all podcast platforms and give us a like on Facebook as well. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week on the Bill Bradley Collective.